Hello, everybody. We're jumping into it tonight. We've got another full two hours together, and I hope to take a lot of your calls here on the, on Quite Frankly. This is the pre-show. It is 6.56 p.m. on the East Coast, and we are just going to do a little bit of banter together, as we're, I mean, the rest of the night is going to be banter as well. But I just want to get you guys all nice and settled in. So we're going to make some announcements, then we're going to do some grab bag, and then we'll just jump into uh, the main the main topics of the evening. Got a lot of great great feedback after last night's appearance by Robin McCutcheon, Doctor McCutcheon, and we'll get into all that in due time. So welcome, ladies and gentlemen. How are you? Well, that's great. I love to hear it. I really do. The number tonight is nine one four. Five nine five six nine five three. Every night that I put that number out there, I always stop, and I make sure I'm not I'm not telling anybody myself my cell phone number. <laughs> oh, every night, every night for years, for years. Um, because you know why? Because I give the call in number. I give the call in number to a lot of you know people and businesses in my personal life. When they ask for a number to call back, like a pizzeria or something like that, I'll five nine five six nine five three. I said, "Oh no 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 no." But um, yes, five nine five nine one four five nine five six nine five three. Write that down on a piece of post-it paper, so you can call in a little bit later on. I want to take calls tonight. It is February sixteenth, two thousand twenty-three, and greetings to all of our friends on QuiteFrankly.tv. YouTube, Rumble, Twitch, DLive, Theta, Rockfin, and beyond. It's great to have you here. Rep where you're from. Let's do a little bit of a roll call. Build that international camaraderie. And let's get on with the Tuesday evening broadcast, which is going to be all about some stuff that was uttered at the World Government Summit. And... Um, and then maybe a little bit from Cy Hirsch in the second half. But plenty of time for calls. So um, I thought that this was, this was interesting, these three clips that I got from Cy Hirsch as he was giving an interview to uh, Russell Brand. So uh, we're going to have some good, good times tonight. I have a little bit on Ohio as well, and then it should be, uh, should be interesting to see what comes in through the open lines. I also want to thank, thank Jason Burmis for having me on his show this morning. That was very nice. I was on with Jason Burmis this morning from 8.30 to 9.30 a.m., and we had a wonderful time. It was, it's great. It's great to be, to be on with him, and, and uh, I'll let you know where to find that because I haven't even seen it. I, just, I clicked the Google Hangout link, and we went at it. But next week, I'm going to be recording shows with Mel Kay and on uh, Black Conservative Patriots' new podcast that he's starting. I'm so excited for this one because it has nothing to do with politics, he says. It's just like life and business and family, all things that make us human, which I appreciate that. I appreciate that kind of changing it up. So that's the new podcast by BCP, and I'll be on with him on Wednesday. That'll be fun. Um, what else do I have? Oh, I have a message over here from Pat and Gina from BlueMonsterPrep.com. So you can check them out on the affiliates page. The promo code is frankly. Good evening, Frank. They sent this to me last night. 
We received a very solid order for three gas masks and 40 millimeter NATO gas mask filters today, which is a direct result of you simply mentioning that we have gas masks in the spot that you did for us on Monday night. We did a huge amount of business with gas masks during the lockdown. People are once again growing concerned over the threat of the U.S. government dragging us into World War III in Ukraine and or deployment of nuclear nuclear weaponry. In addition to sales to the general public, a substantial portion of our gas mask business is also oriented toward hospitals, medical decon teams, law enforcement, and Department of Homeland Security slash Custom Border Patrol across the U.S., which we actively train. We are extremely familiar with all aspects of this equipment. As I say, always when I plug Blue Monster, any of the medical equipment they have, first aid, whether it be the the kits or specialty equipment like the stop the bleed kits and things like for like sucking uh, chest wounds and whatnot, they are able to train and give all types of uh, instruction on all this. They are they are so credentialed and and able. Many, quite frankly, audience members who are already tend to be well-prepared will likely be interested in potentially getting gas masks as a part of their shelter-in-place or bug-out plans, as you always do. Please keep letting your audience know that they are always welcome to contact Pat and Gina with any questions. Exceptional work, as always, Frank. Thank you, Pat and Gina. Contact them. Ask all the questions you want. Doesn't matter if you're not ready to buy anything or you're just you just want answers. They're there. They're there for the entire audience because, as I always say, they are of the audience. So that's nice to know. Timothy Alberino will be on with us tomorrow night. We'll be doing a whole show about the UFO deception, but I want to go deeper into things, uh, deeper into things and maybe get into more biblical aliens, biblical UFOs and, and, and things like that. It'll be a shorter segment than we usually do with Tim tomorrow, maybe around 30 to 45 minutes. But uh, that's just because I have another long thread by Popehead that he wrote just after Super Bowl Sunday this past week uh, about all the synchronicities between UFOs, the city of Phoenix, and um, and what else? I guess the Super Bowl? Anything else? I forget. Well, it, anyway, it was good. We'll see how much of that we can get in. And then, you know what? Saturday night, I mean, I'm going to be going live. And Saturday night, since it is uh, February, February, I'll be going live around 9.30, 10 o'clock. I don't know. When you see me schedule it, you'll know what time I'm going live. I am going to be doing, we're jumping into it. We're doing it. All the lemon faces. Oh, I'm not going to, I'm not showing up on Saturday. I'm going to be, I'm going to be squeezing my lemons. Uh, we're going to be doing the thread that I put out there months ago. It's called walking in or catching your parents or doing it. Okay, so it's Valentine's Day. <laughs> it's Valentine's Day month, and I saw some of the entries on this thread, and it's hilarious. Your embarrassment is going to be our great entertainment. It's part of life. It's part of life. That'll be a Saturday night show. I don't know what else we'll do on Saturday night, but we're gonna we're gonna have some fun with that. Um, yeah, there you have it. Uh, another little thing. I forgot to say it the last two days, but I'm going to be raffling this off tomorrow. Maybe I'll, I'll push it to next week because I forgot to remind people the last two days. My version, my book, 
Great Reese, uh, um, the the Great Divorce. I'm sorry, the Great Great Divorce by C.S. Lewis with all my underlinings, all my highlights, all my notes, and I'll inscribe something to you if you win it. All you gotta do is send at least one super chat in from now until we'll say Monday. We'll say Monday because I screwed up and I didn't do this consistently this week. But Monday I'll give this away on a raffle, and I hope you enjoy that. And after I give it away is when I'll put all of the book club sessions from The Great Divorce public, as I said I would after it's all done for exclusive viewing. But listen, uh, we are two weeks away from March. Two weeks away from the month of March, and that means that starting on, I think what me and Jay Dyer have put together, what we have both put together is that we're gonna do this on Monday nights. Monday nights at 8.30, starting with the 6th. No, no, I'm sorry. I'm looking at February. Oh, it's the 6th of March, too. Monday, the 6th of March. We're going to go Monday the 6th, the 13th, the 20th, and the 27th. Four weeks to read Brave New World. Jay Dyer as the co-host. And uh, so you have until then to become a sponsor of the show, monthly sponsor. Doesn't matter what tier. It could be the lowest one there, which is $2 a month, uh, right through, quite frankly, .tv. Doesn't matter. But uh, the easiest places to access all the links is on Subscribestar. I will say that. Um, and if you sign up through quitefrankly.tv, make sure you click to uh, accept marketing. Because a lot of people don't do that. They wonder where all the emails are. Not sending you spam. It's only going to be Sunday links and links for things like this. So get ready for March with Jay Dyer and Brave New World by Aldous Huxley. All right. That's all I have for the updates. Let's jump into the grab bag. First one up is from the New York Post. I did not see this yet. I have been very bad at keeping up with South Park. South Park trashes dumb Meghan Markle and Prince Harry on worldwide privacy tour. I saw some of the clips from this. It is hilarious uh, because it's exactly what everybody's thinking. There they are. There's uh, Meghan Markle, uh, the bratty American tourist who thinks she's a princess, and Harry who is uh, Superman after he loses all of his powers in Superman 2, and he's just some dork that gets beat up in, in diners because he, uh, he, he, allowed, he allowed his, his wife to, to pull him away from all, the, all the, the titles he ever had. We want our privacy. Stop looking at us as they go from, from show to show and write books. The book is called Wah. <laughs> it's it's been really fun just watching the clips. I've got to get up to date with uh, with South Park. I'm so behind. I'm I'm at this point. I'm seasons behind. All right, here's another one from NBC News. This is pretty pretty funny actually. Lesbian mom loses parental rights and her wife to the child's sperm donor. Hey, I paid for that baby. The boy's biological mother and the sperm donor who are now dating are the child's legal parents. Yes, and the natural parents as well. An Oklahoma district judge ruled. An Oklahoma woman has no parental rights over the son she raised for two years with her estranged wife who has since started dating the former couple's sperm donor. A judge ruled on Monday, Chris Williams and Rebecca Wilson, who were legally married in June 2019, were both initially listed on the boy's birth certificate when Wilson gave birth to him in 
August of 2019. According to court documents, the boy referred to only as WRWW in the judge's ruling was conceived using the sperm of Harlan Vaughn, with whom Wilson entered a known sperm donor agreement in September. I wonder if she used the uh, the turkey baster or she actually let him do his thing. Williams and Wilson, however, split in November 2021, and Wilson moved in with Vaughn shortly afterwards, court documents state. But while Williams was on the child's birth certificate, she did not adopt him before she split with Wilson, and she has not seen him since 20, November 23, 21. What I think uh, Williams should do, um, I think Williams should go out there and find herself a man. They have a baby. So, anyway, there you go. That's that's something you don't hear every day. But I can see how it would happen. All right, here's the... Um, here is the next thing. Now that Nikki Haley has launched her 2024 White House bid, which is going to be a big waste of time for her, but it'll, it'll, it'll make some funny moments for us. Uh, she's she's already making golden appearances on on shows like Hannity. Here's a little clip from from Hannity the other night. I think it was last night. Here, listen to this. Hold on. Whoops. Here we go. Put that up. Here we go. Want to take the country with your competitors? Uh, right now, there's, there's former President Trump is the only other candidate uh, for the nomination. We expect many others, maybe even Mike Pompeo, who was on earlier in the program today. Where do you see, if you see, policy differences beyond what you mentioned, which are generational differences? What, what specific policy areas would you, would you say part with Donald Trump? What I am saying is, I don't kick sideways. I'm kicking forward. Joe Biden is the president. He's the one I'm running against. And what I'm saying is, you don't have to be 80 years old to be president. We don't need to have these same people going back again. We need something new. We need a new generation of fighters. We need people that understand where the American, your average American, is coming from. And we shouldn't be afraid to fight for that. And that's what I'm willing to do. I'm not going to kick sideways. I don't have time for that. That's not my focus. I'm kicking forward. It's all about Joe Biden and it's all about the people in America winning again. So uh, she, I, I guess she didn't know which lines to, to go with and prioritize. So just, she just used all of them all at once. Young Americans fighting something. You don't need it to be 80 years old to be president. Uh, not kicking sideways. I guess that means I'm not fighting Donald Trump to my side. I'm fighting Joe Biden in front of me. But Joe Biden is a non-entity. Donald Trump is actually the real uh, opponent for everybody. He's the only opponent that's out there. He's the only one that has any kind of draw. So um, she's uh, she's just such a waste. And she's always sucked. And this is going to be funny. So I'll keep an eye out for things uh, that uh, that she says that we, so we can make fun of her because she deserved to be made fun of. Uh, uh, Don Lemon, though, almost was based for a moment there. <laughs> He's almost based. And I say almost because whereas he, 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 uh, he pissed off a lot of his co-hosts on CNN, 
uh, namely Poppy Harlow, who apparently stormed off the set, a, a set afterwards, and they're not on good terms as it is. This is something that's going around, and I think it's hilarious. They don't want to fire him because that would be a hate firing. He's black and gay, so you don't want to have you don't want to have a hate firing suit on your on your uh, on your on your hands if you're CNN. So uh, he they're mixing and matching him with different co-hosts and it's not working because he's a bigger diva than most of the women are and and here he is and he starts talking about Nikki Haley being past her prime and he, he speaks a little bit more generally about women and their prime and uh, I'll tell you why again why I think he's almost based here here you go this whole talk about age makes me uncomfortable I think that I think it's the wrong road to go down she says people you know politicians or something are not in their prime Nikki Haley isn't in her prime sorry when a woman is considered to be in her prime in her 20s and 30s and maybe 40s. What do you that's talk about? Wait. I, that's not according to me. Prime for what? I, it depends. I mean, it's just like prime. If you look it up, it'll say, if you, <laughs> if you Google when is a woman in her prime, it'll say 20s, 30s, and 40s. I don't necessarily. 40s. Oh, I got it in another I'm not decade. saying I agree with that. So I think she has to be careful. No, no. He, he added 40s in. He added 40s in. Because uh, as far as... Well, we we talk about this a lot. It really is the 20s. Men, they start peaking in their mid to late 30s. And um, professional viability and, of course, biological viability. So, um, obviously, feminism has, has put in its... In its uh, on its plate, the greatest thing to do there is to encourage girls to put all their twenties and thirties on the back burner and just go chasing careers, and then and then you know go find a sperm donor real quick, and then a nanny to raise the baby, and then and then of course it turns into a uh, a school shooter. But here you go. Um, listen to this. Full about saying that well, you know politicians aren't in their I think prime. You need to qualify. Are you talking about prime for like childbearing, or are you talking about prime for being president? What the facts are? Google it. Everybody at home, when is a woman in her prime? It says twenties, thirties, and forties. And I'm just saying, Nikki Haley should. You should. You, at, at that point, you should say twenties, thirties, forties, sixties, and seventies. If you Google that, they're going to tell you it's not even actually past your thirties. Be careful about saying that politicians are not in their prime, and they need to be in their prime when they serve, because she wouldn't be in her prime, according to... He's trying to, he's trying to fight his way out of this one. It's really bad. Uh, he's talking about biological, okay? Obviously, if that is not... If, if, if finding, a, uh, finding a man that is a good, uh, suitable husband and creating a family and, and, and building a foundation for that in your life is not a priority, then, I mean, what? Your professional viability is however long you've got breath in your lungs. I'm pretty sure this guy voted for Hillary Clinton. I'm pretty sure that we can find plenty of clips of him praising Hillary Clinton for one thing or another, and all of those clips will definitely be of her past her 60s so that's why i say he's almost based he doesn't know what he's being based about it's not professional viability he's just trying to take a pot shot at a so-called republican type in nikki haley who is just just a bad candidate not that she's not able to 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 keep up the grueling schedule of being in a bus and talking to nobody at coffee shops so John Levin, he was trying. He was trying to fight his way out of the, that one at the end. He really, <laughs> I like watching that. 
I like watching people in awkward situations. I've been in many of them. And when I think back on them, I think back on them fondly for the most part. And then we have this, which honestly, I don't know what to make of this. I have some ideas of what I think. I think about some ideas on this one. It's John Fetterman. He checks himself into Walter Reed for clinical depression. Now, the first thing that, screw, that, that this screams to me is cover story because depression is something that, is not, that does not go away over the course of an extended weekend. You don't just take a weekend away in a hospital, no less, and you're fine. Depression means that if you're going to be sidelined for a while, I th- when I see somebody that is in as bad physical shape as he is, and he always has been, and this is the reason why he should have never been forced to run, just like Joe Biden. I mean, there's, le- there's, there's more reasons why they pushed Joe Biden to run in 2020. As I always said, they got everybody around him to, uh, to, to all of his main competitors, people who were polling higher than he was, to bow out before Super Tuesday in 2020 so that he would be the preeminent winner uh, of all of those uh, endorsements and whatever. Why they need to do that? Because A, they have the ground game, they have the mail game, they have everything they need to be able to turn anyone, force anyone into the White House. They also have the media that is willing to wait three days like the AP did and then declare anybody the president. And then from there on, they have the judicial system that is willing to sit on their thumbs and do absolutely nothing while the Constitution is raped and, uh, and, and uh, declare that everybody around you has no standing when there's plenty of standing. So we, why they do that for Joe Biden? Because starting in 2019, when the Russia thing went away, they tried saying that Donald Trump was making phone calls to Zelensky in Ukraine because he wanted to be able to take out his prime candidate opponent in the 2020 election, and that was Joe Biden, who was... Who was uh, was polling lower than dirt. So uh, obviously, with all of the with all of the uh, the tools they have to turn anything into a into a president, why not just push Joe Biden across the finish line and really bolster that idea that he was a threat to Trump? And that's why Trump was putting in all of those calls to Zelensky to figure out what was going on in Ukraine with uh, American oligarchs. You know, so that's I understand why they stuck with Joe Biden, low risk, high reward. And they were bolstering their impeachment one narrative by pushing him across. But with Fetterman, I still don't understand. I don't understand. I really don't understand. And I didn't know him prior to his uh, his strokes and his physical incapacitation because he's always been a very pitiful uh, figure to me. And I feel bad for him. I don't know him prior to. So whatever I do know of him, I think, he, I don't know, kind of like empathetic kind of toward him. And I, I, I feel bad. But when I see this, who he was already brought off to the hospital just like a couple of weeks after his inauguration, I see that now he's, he's checked into Walter Reed for clinical depression. Now, living with poor health is dif- difficult. Especially if it's a cognitive injury and you know that you're probably never going back to the way you were prior to that injury. But, um, and then being used on top of it and forced into this way of life, it's, it's really, it's horrific. 
Uh, that, that is enough in itself to bring on massive depression, massive emotional incapacitation. No, no doubt about it. But I just tend to think that this, is, this could be just very well a cover story to block off a huge amount of time to try to get him right for maybe some other stroke or something else that has happened behind the scenes that they're trying not to let out into the public. I don't know. But uh, depression buys you a lot of time because it does not go away like acid reflux does. Just something I was thinking about. And obviously, I, 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 don't, I don't wish him anything but well. That doesn't make me... Uh, that's not a laughable moment for me, but um, just some thoughts. All right. Let's get into the rest of the show. We will be right back. Thank you for hanging out. Share this if you can. Sponsor the show through social media tonight and share all the live links I put out across the quite frankly socials and please if you're watching on YouTube and Rumble encourage all of your friends around you in the chat room right now to just hit that like button it is doing tremendous things and uh, we and we're the only ones that can create momentum for us if this is the only way that we can do it aside from some other things that I'm hoping kicks into play soon then um, please help me make that a reality you've already done great great stuff for me so far this year and uh, I'm really encouraged we'll be right back don't go anywhere hey you're just mad because I'll be able to do something with my fucking guitar and hands that you'll never be able to achieve in your entire life kid so yeah you're gay You let one ant stand up to us, then they all might stand up. Those puny little ants outnumber us a hundred to one. And if they ever figure that out, there goes our way of life. It's not about food. It's about keeping those ants in line. That's why we're going back. Does anybody else want to stay? Let's rock! Welcome to everybody in the audience. This is the only audience on the entire internet wherein everybody is in their prime. Every last one of you are in their prime. I've, I've heard many miracles too. Many miracles. I'm welcome, 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 welcome. It's good to have you here. Oh, I got an email. I got. I got to tell you, I um, I got a lot of emails about gold backs last night so i got in touch with with tony from wise wolf gold and silver who's one of our affiliates and i asked him i said hey tony um uh, are you guys able to or do you deal in gold backs can you get those 
And he said, Frank, you know, I've been getting emails about this. I've been getting emails about this. And uh, ever since last night, he asked me, what were you guys talking about? I got like at least a half a dozen emails. And um, I, I told him what was going on. I said, well, we we're just talking about all, it was a economy show last night. And we we're talking about stable currency and alternative ways of, uh, of transacting with people with stores, stores of value, but especially how the goldbacks are more feasible ways of transacting with gold instead of flipping somebody a $2,000 coin uh, just for a, a bushel of apples. You know, how, how do you do it a little bit more feasibly? Which is why a lot more people buy silver, which you really still should. Uh, it's cheaper. It's cheaper right now. It is just as valuable. It is just as depressed in value as everything else. Um, so it's the, it's definitely the way to go. But the gold backs are, it, it makes buying gold a lot more feasible. So I asked him about it. And he said that, um, he said, let me, let me see what I can do. So no confirmation just yet. But he's going to look into adding gold backs into his product line and list over there at uh, Wise Wolf. And uh, that way... Hopefully, and I'll let you know, like I said, I'll let you know if it happens. If you ever wanted to go buy a little silver, you can also buy a little bit of gold without breaking the bank. It's pretty cool. It really is. And I also reached out to the guy who created the Nevada Goldbacks uh, to see if he'll come on the show. So that's something else hopefully goes our way. All right, a little bit update from the chemical fires in Ohio. Listen to this. This was um, this is from Ashe Numdar a news and anchor, I guess out there, it's, it's working out there in uh, in Ohio, at least for now. Listen to this. Over 4,000 now dead fish in three counties, livestock, animals. People are having nausea, vomiting, diarrhea. Um, they're reporting that they're having teeth pain. Um, you know, people that suffer like me from asthma or COPD, um, uh, you know, are having still having a hard time breathing. So um, people are very worried, and from the beginning of this event, we were told several times by the media um, and by the elected officials and everyone involved that there were no toxins, mm. you know, mm. anywhere. And we know now that's completely false. As far as you know, Emily, is the community getting any help? Yeah, I mean, there's people out there that have GoFundMe's. They're they're helping each other out. People from other communities. But I mean, taking, from the city, from the state, um, on a federal level. So that's the thing that we're asking right now. And if I could just take 30 seconds to to pitch this, um, we are asking our governor, Governor Mike DeWine. He's been in conversation with President Biden. He said on the news yesterday, and that Biden told him. Um, that we could have any help we needed. Well, we need FEMA, and here is what we need. And Governor DeWine is the person that has to request FEMA from the federal government. Um, nobody died in the immediate, but this is one of the worst ecological disasters after a spill, the top five in, in the history of this oh. continent. And um, we are only beginning to see the ramifications. So um, I don't really think it's up to the city officials or, you know, they need the, the state government to step in and ask the federal government to do their job. And, and if I'm, I want to understand this correctly, Emily. Yeah. So Governor DeWine has not asked President Biden to declare this a federal emergency. Am I correct? 
correct. Um, they, they are saying that they have it handled with, um, you know, the EPA is helping, just so we know the federal and state EPA is helping, but they're saying they have it, they have it handled and that we don't, um, you know, need that. But unfortunately, we're finding out daily new news that there's another contamination. And and the EPA is also out there telling people that the 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 rivers the waterways are are fine and obviously it's not you can see this like uh, you can see the cellophane kind of rainbow sheen to everything like it's 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 covered in a in in an oil slick it's all over the place it's really messed up and it's getting worse especially for people who are are contemplating what this may mean on a health level going down the road. Here's one from Addy Ads documenting the um, the testimony of a man named Ted Murphy. It says, Ted Murphy is a resident of East Palestine, Ohio. Ted lives right near the fallout site and moved his mother immediately after the derailment but before the explosion. Sunday after the derailment, he came back to her, uh, came back to get her insulin and encountered the chemical fallout, his skin later become became red, quote, like he had fell, fallen asleep on Myrtle Beach all day, end quote, and his lymph nodes became sore. He said, I inhaled that air and I thought I was going to frickin' die. I almost wrecked my frickin' truck, he said. The road looked like a wet ribbon. I'm not moving back into my house. I just got done doing all that work on the inside of it. I just bought all new appliances, new furniture, new beds. I made my mom a brand new home. Now I got to leave. It ain't right. The creek is dead. You go and step on the rocks now, and there's oil that comes out around the rocks. Dead newts, dead lizards, dead salamanders, dead fish, dead snakes, dead frogs. Everything in that creek is dead. I got to find somewhere to live, Ted added. Uh, I'm not worried about money. I'm worried about my health. I'm worried about all my nieces and nephews' health. I want to be here long enough to see my grandson grow. That's about the most important thing in my life, which I think we can all um, we can all connect with. And I mean, I, I was speaking with Lauren about this last night too, which is that you know this is just one of those things. This is just one of those things. How do you plan for something like that? It's good to have a plan if something does happen. An earthquake, I guess a chemical disaster, a nuclear disaster. Whatever the hell it is, you start telling, you you have uh, something set up with your family and your immediate friends. This is where we meet. This is where, when it, when it comes to go time and you just don't know and you're faced with the prospect of leaving everything behind. And, uh, oh man. That just, it, it, this is, it, what's coming out from this area is just nuts. Here's a little bit of, here's a little bit of Ted Murphy speaking with, I, I guess, uh, Addy, Addy Ads, the journalist on the go. What's up, guys? Here in East Palestine, Ohio. Here with uh, and it's uh, Tom Murphy, Ted. Ted, Ted Murphy, Mr. Murphy here. And uh, what's your experience been like with this this entire situation over the past couple weeks? Sir? Horrific. <laughs> I'm evacuated out of my house before they pulled the evacuation because my 80 year old mom lives with me. My house was engulfed in fumes, so I got her out, packed some clothes, and then Sunday I come back to get her insulin because we didn't grab her insulin. She needs it. 
this past Sunday? Yeah, no, Sunday before the implosion. Oh, okay, okay. And when I'd left to go back over, the fumes in town were nothing like they were on 170 coming out of that creek. I inhaled that air and I thought I was gonna freaking die. I wow. thought I was gonna die. I almost wrecked my damn truck. The road looked like a wet ribbon. Whoa. You tell me I didn't suck something in. There wasn't shit in that creek. And did you have to go to the hospital or? Uh, I went to the hospital a week later. Oh, wow. And I'm so stressed out about it that when I went into the hospital, as soon as they put a cuff on me to check my blood pressure, I had three doctors standing there and they took me back and put an EKG on me and had a shocker sitting there ready because they thought I was going to have a damn heart attack. So they thought he was going to have a heart attack right there because of his blood pressure. And that can't all just be stress from the situation, though it will it will contribute to it. And I've heard several um, several health professionals actually give what I believe would be sound advice for a lot of people who are living in the area to go and get physicals right now, just so that you have a baseline for what your health is at the moment, because they are saying that it just there's no way to tell what the effects of this are going to be in 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 the, the the weeks months and years to come which is just horrific and um and anxiety inducing to think about so there's another thing going on now too where everybody uh, every day there is a new train deal derailment that that people are following and they're starting to get a little bit paranoid about that until there's something that is a little bit more I, I would advise against being really nuts about this because once you know, and I knew this for years now because of something else, how many train derailments and accidents there are every year. We're talking thousands. Back in the 80s, back in the 80s, I don't know what the hell changed from the 19, from 1980 80 to 85 and about 1990. But within about five years, they cut down yearly train derailments and accidents from about 6,000 to 7,000 a year down to about 1,700 to 2,000 a year. And that has been the constant ever since. So uh, there is about 2,000 derailments every year to varying severity, especially uh, based on whatever kind of cargo and how volatile the cargo is, which is and the reason why I know this off the top of my head is because when we were talking about things like the Dakota XL pipeline and, uh, and, and, and talking about the protests that would spring up around one pipeline site or another, it would always be about, oh, the, the, the ecological disaster that is opening up the earth and laying a pipeline down, covering it up and transporting ga natural gas or oil or something from Canada, Alaska or wherever into the United States, which uh, is actually not so. I understand, I understand making, making um, special arrangements and concessions to uh, Native American tribes to not go through sacred lands and, and cemeteries and things like that, finding workarounds there. But as far as what it does to the, the earth, it is nothing compared to what transporting volatile substances like fuel sources through freight, through train, and through tractor trailer is like. This is the reason why, on top of the fact that it'll lower our 
our energy costs and create a lot of sustainable, well-paying jobs. This is the reason why pipelines are are a lot more um, a lot more uh, of a smart move and an efficient move for all the reasons why you would think economically and also on an ecological level because this kind of stuff happened that this is a particularly bad thing this is a particularly bad situation right now volatile from the beginning big big possibility for a major situation and then for them to actually go and quote unquote release incinerate this payload made it uh, what we have today but it just goes to show i just wanted to say just goes to show this the this is a part of the reason why freight is not something that you want to uh to use over pipelines for fuel sources and everything else um just putting that out there so we're going to keep this up of course there's nothing no no, no word from the davos crowd the code pink crowd uh the the extinction rebellion ballerinas they have not gone to ohio to do any of their performance art dancing dancing around like zombies nobody's doing that right now and the epa goons are going to be showing up with probably non-disclosure agreements to keep everybody from from saying anything take some kind of payoff or whatever so um they, they don't care they don't care told you the epa is useless always have been also this is um yeah no that's just that's all i had to say on that That is all I had to say on that. Now, I want to shift gears, and and you guys guys could call in on that later on because there's plenty to be said about this obvious attempt to keep all this stuff quiet in Ohio and and try to downplay it as much as they can. But but you, you should feel free and encouraged to call in on that later. Now I want to switch gears to a little something else, and that is the world government stage, which is not too far away from the environment stage because that's one of their major selling points for the tyranny that they want to bring us all. Here is a headline from France 24. Now, you remember we were talking about the reasons why, another good reason why if the old media ever needed any understanding as to uh, why more and more people are streaming their news and entertainment on places like Rumble and YouTube and TikTok. Articles like this is a reason why. Conspiracy theories on 15-minute cities flourish. Urban planners are fending off abuse fueled by conspiracy theorists about their 15-minute city regeneration projects with, with which suspicious social media users claim are the road to climate lockdowns. The 15-minute city premise is simple. All amenities, such as parks and grocery stores, must be accessible within a quarter, uh, with a quarter of an hour walk or bike ride from a person's home. All right? Uh, No better example of this is the line that they are building out in Saudi Arabia or wherever it is across the desert, putting everybody into a human terrarium. Developed in 2015 by an academic in France, the concept has taken off worldwide since the COVID pandemic with cities such as Paris, Melbourne, and Copenhagen seeking to make neighborhoods more livable and cut car use to curb climate change. But as COVID measures unfounded on, but as with COVID measures, unfounded online theories about initiative have flourished. What about COVID measures? Because the only thing that we have found after two years of that bullshit 
is that COVID measures did not do anything to make things better. In fact, they made things beyond worse. They didn't prevent infection. They ruined children's schooling, speech development, depression, addiction, suicide. So, I mean, this is why people don't go to the media, the, the old media anymore to get even just conversations from people who don't have all the answers but are willing just to just say, what the hell do you think is going on? Because obviously the official story is nonsense. Top results, let's see. Top results in a search for 15-minute city on TikTok contain mostly scornful videos, including claims that the schemes will restrict residents' movement and fine them for leaving their home districts. Why wouldn't they? Why would that be outside of the bounds of, of possibility? Look what's happened already with, the, with, with the, the, the little market tests of these passports. In fact, it was in France that they were saying that you were going to, to, to find it harder and harder, find it harder and harder a task to access health care if you were not up with your passports and your, and your, uh, your medical shots. Including claims that the schemes will restrict residents' movement. A search on Twitter brings up the hashtag 15-minute prisons in third place after 15-minute cities and 15-minute city. 15-minute city concept is created to uh, credited to Carlos Moreno, a professor at Paris, uh, the Paris' Sorbonne University. He told AFP that he had received numerous personal insults over the idea. Never have there been uh, proposals for restrictions. On the contrary, this is a new opportunity, more choice, more services, more desire to thrive in one's neighborhood, he said. Since the start of 2023, the concept of the 15-minute city has been subject to conspiracy theories produced and shared by people already well-known for spreading disinformation about COVID, the climate, vaccines, and politics. Yeah, because there's nothing conspiracy-based about politics, about people getting together, trying to cobble together uh, supposed uh, permission from the, the governed, cobble together all the energy and all the funding they can to bring, apart, bring uh, forth one thing or another that they want, that we're going to get to next. There's a reason why I put this here. And some of the conspiracy theories, they say, in Oxford... Counselors reported receiving abuse over plans to limit private vehicles on bus routes at peak hours. Social media users shared an article that falsely claims residents would be confined to their local neighborhood and have to ask permission to leave it, all to save the planet. I mean, they were talking about this. They were openly talking about this all throughout the media, not on crazy little Extinction Rebellion blogs. They were talking about this months into the COVID lockdown in 2020, about how uh, new generations of animals were coming back to the national parks, that the smog in some African, uh, in South African cities and other places around the world was reduced, that people who had uh, city apartments could finally look out their window and see distant mountaintops because there was no humans. They've been talking about this for a long time. When you start talking about it in an uncontrolled way, in an unsavory way, then you're a conspiracy theorist. They only want you to see the beauty of eliminating the human scourge from the planet. 
A council a spokesperson told AFP residents would not be locked down in their homes. Opposition conser- conservative county councilor Liam Walker, who himself opposed the traffic filters trial, tweeted that the lockdown claims were completely untrue. Only the best of intentions. Supporters of 15-minute cities include the Worldwide C40 Cities Alliance plus the United Nations and the World Economic Forum, you don't know, targets of numerous false claims that are subject to frequent fact checks. Yeah, by them. So what's the fact check on this? It's just completely untrue, of course. It's completely untrue. That's the fact check. It's just completely untrue. Now let's go over to the World Government Summit of 2023. It's called the World Government Summit. We'd covered the one in 2022. I thought that this was old footage. And then I realized the World Government Summit is already back again. They must be doing these fucking things every month now. Every month. So let's see here. Uh, Take a listen to this. Take a listen to this. Remember, there is there is nothing. There's nothing beyond this. There's no conspiracy. Because, of course, they're not hiding it anymore. They're very confidently talking about it, and we're just taking it the wrong way. How How is this transition going to happen? I mean, I, I agree totally. They're talking about the transitions to a more smart, inclusive, technologically driven world. Everything that you know that has been published in The Great Reset. Um, so here are the here are the smarties. The smarty pants experts they agree that the world order the way it is built today doesn't make any sense that is is not in line with the economic powers like india brazil or germany you know that they don't have a they don't have a, a massive role in the in the international order but to me the big question is so how we are going to go through this transform it has to be it cannot be gradual it has to be have to be driven by a part for by a certain shock that will happen so now we will reconsider this entire so he's asking hey how are we going to get this transformation of the entire world economic uh, system how are we going to get this transformation uh, what we have right now just doesn't make sense anymore of course what he means by that is uh, being a part of a sovereign nation with an identifiable native culture and your own civic customs and all that stuff. That doesn't make sense anymore. We need everybody to be on the same page. On the same page. I hate their fucking accents. I hate their fucking accents. I hate all their accents. It makes it all so much more detestable. We need a shock. It can't be gradual. He's pretty much saying, giddy up, giddy up, giddy up. How do we make this happen now? We need a shock. Like he's been talking to to, uh, to Bill Crystal and the rest of the PNAC boys, who were who were fumbling for ways to bring in that new American century. They needed a, a a certain a certain Pearl Harbor moment. Where the hell were they going to get one? Question is that this period could be turbulent, could have violence, yes. could have conflicts. We are already living it. Yeah. I think there are. Yes, we are. Yes, we're already living it. We're already living it. They are, um, there is, yeah, we're already living it. Isn't that crazy? Isn't that crazy that life just keeps getting worse and worse? And it's, um, it, it always corresponds with government action. And as things get worse and worse, the governments get together and they think of a, a way to make government even bigger. 
and uh, and less inclusive the actual governed to include the governed less and less isn't it amazing yeah well you say well the transition's going to be violent well we're already in violence i know i know we're looking at the people whose friends in government the ngos we're looking at the people who create the migrant crises we're looking at the people behind the drug trade this is this is the that we're looking at the people at the pharmaceutical and the media these are the people that are all responsible for our, our, our discontent. Oh, they're so smart and contempl- contemplative. We are already living it. Yeah. I think the last, the last five or six years tell us that we are going through a rather turbulent phase. Mm-hmm. We have lost a large part of humankind to the pandemic because we were all selfish. We, did, we were not willing to share. We were not willing to cre- use the global institutions to deliver uh, responses to different parts of the world. We have lost people. Now, how much more bloodshed do we need to understand that the, the transition is upon us? I don't know. I don't know. Want, want, go back to India. Go back to India, number one, and clean up, the, clean up all the, the, the shit. We, we have our own shit on the... We have people shitting on the streets over here now, too. You know, we got a problem over here. You've always been shitting on the streets. We haven't been, but we've got that now. Talking about self, we're selfish. You know how selfish the West is? It's not selfish. It's just always had a higher standard of living because we've, uh, we, we, we've manufactured it that way. And, and, and in turn, we're also number one in giving to the rest of the world. But we're selfish. We've just got to gotta self-flagellate a little bit over here. We gotta self-flagellate. We gotta we gotta whip ourselves. Then we have Klaus. Then we have, and again, I'm going to say, I'm telling you, this is the real state of the union. This is the state of the techno union. All right, the Grammys. That was the state of the prevailing techno culture. This is the state of the techno union. This is where all the decisions are made. This is where the marching orders are given, both on camera and off camera. And then everybody goes back to their respective countries and it starts getting molded into a little bit more subtle legislative initiatives and executive orders. It starts, you know, it, it be, it's customized for whatever, whatever country it is being disseminated to. But uh, this is this is the real state of the union here. This is where you find out what's on the way. So um, so here it is. Okay, here's uh, here is the the rotting oyster man, Klaus Schwab. I wrote in 2015 the book The Fourth Industrial Revolution, and I mentioned 23 or 24 technologies which would change the world like crypto and so on and so on. The book was considered science fiction. All those technologies have become reality and there are new technologies. And I would say we are in the second minute or whatever you we want to call. We are at the beginning. When you look at it, at technology transformation, it usually takes place in, in the terms of an S-curve. And we are just now where we move into the exponential phase. And I agree, artificial intelligence, but not only artificial intelligence, but also the metaverse, new space technologies, and I could go on and on, synthetic biology. Synthetic biology. Life 
in 10 years from now will be completely different, very much affected, and who masters those technologies in some way will be the master of the world. Did you hear that? I wrote. Did you hear that, France 24? I wonder if France 24, all, all of the AI journalists at France24.com heard that. AI, synthetic biology, whatever the hell else he's talking about there, all of the technologies that he was premiering and forecasting in his fourth industrial revolution back in 2015 or whatever the hell like that, that everybody said was science fiction and still says, oh, there's nothing to be worried about. It's just about being able to go to virtual business meetings and conduct business from uh, virtual settings. It's not about not about uh, changing the human genome and, and reducing the, the world population and turning us into serfs, digital serfs. He just told everybody, as they do all the time, because there's no reason hiding it anymore and there's no reason for subtlety. There's no use for it anymore. He just said, it's going to be an exponential shift. We are in the exponential, we are in the explosive phase. The other guys talking to each other. This can't be, tra this can't be a subtle transition anymore. We need something with a pop, a little bit more of a bang. It's got to happen quick. He's saying in 10 years, thankfully, I would have to imagine, hopefully, he'll be dead by then. Um, but uh, th that doesn't matter. I mean, he's merely one of many who have been handed the baton and will hand it off as well. They play the long game. They want to be remembered inside of their cliques. That's the only history that matters. But in 10 years from now, 2033, life as a human being will, com will be completely changed. And I can only imagine the plans that they have to make that so. That does not mean in 10 years, those in, of us in this audience will have changed our mind about what we are going to accept in our bodies and in our brains, but it also speaks to the very foggy nature of what they have planned for us to, to bring humanity to heal and to thin it out a little bit. I can only imagine. But to master all of those once thought to be science fiction technologies is to, in a sense, depending on who controls those technologies, be the master of the world. He said it. I mean, he just said it. Don't tell me it's a euphemism. Because if you control the mind and bodies of everybody from some supercomputer somewhere, you do control the world. Because the world is one giant shared consciousness. Now here is, um, here's Elon Musk, who appears to be doing something nice here by saying that he, uh, he resists the idea of a formal world government. We'll talk about how it's just a good thing for him to say, but there's caveats. Listen to this. One thing I should say, on, I know this is called the World Government Summit, um, but uh, I think we should be maybe a little bit concerned about uh, actually becoming too much of a single world government. Um, if, if I may say that we want to avoid creating a civilizational risk by having, um, frankly, this may sound a little odd, too much cooperation between governments. Um, 
you know, if you know, if you look at say the, at history and the rise and fall of civilizations, um, that the really all throughout history civilizations have risen and fallen. But it hasn't meant the doom of humanity as a whole because there've been there've been all these separate civilizations that were separated by great distances. And so, um, you know, say like while Rome was falling, it, uh, it you know. Uh, Islam was rising, and uh, so you had like a, uh, you know, the, the sort of caliphate do, doing incredibly well, while Rome was doing terribly, um, and that actually ended up being a source of preservation of knowledge uh, and uh, and many scientific advancements, and so, um, so I think we want to be a little bit cautious about uh, being too much of a world of a single. Uh, Civilization, because if we are too much of a single civilization, then if, if, we, if the whole the whole thing may collapse. Um, yeah, just like how the United States is collapsing because it's not a union anymore; it's a it's a gigantic fused together pile of shit. And there's nothing that separates the the the, the bad ideas from the good ideas anymore. We're all just in the same bubble. And 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 honestly, the European Union has been that way for a while. That as well. That's going to that's going to have its day of reckoning. That's that's teetering on the brink as well. And I understand what he's saying. The world needs true diversity, cultural diversity. It needs nations. It needs nations to uh, be focused on on making themselves stronger and empowering their its citizens and competing with other nations in a friendly way. War doesn't help anybody. It doesn't help anybody. But they don't care about that. They don't care about that. And while that is a great point to be made there, it's good to remember also that Elon Musk has long since been a vocal supporter of many of the things that Klaus Schwab endorses that is out there in a UN Agenda 2030 sphere. Universal basic income. He has been very vocally in support of it and probably still is. Carbon taxes. He's on board with it. Vaccines. He's on board with it. He's becoming a little bit more skeptical about the latest shot that's going around, but he's on board with them. Uh, the, the symbiosis between man and machine, the marriage between man and machine, I mean, he is Neuralink, so he does not find anything detestable about the idea of fusing ourselves with the Borg. And I want to read a little something to you before we get back into something else. Um, but I, I think I'm going to wait until after the, the break before we do that. I want to talk a little bit about his, How do you see Twitter? his initiatives and where it's all going. To kind of take the edge off of that objectively nice thing he just said about resisting world government. But thank you so much, so much, uh, so much, ladies and gentlemen, for watching so far. We have a whole other hour to do, and I hope that you're with us, and I hope that during this very short intermission, you go and send out the links again and like the YouTube and the Rumble streams. We need those. We can actually track new viewers right here in the middle of the stream if we can trend a little bit more. So please hit the like button on YouTube and on Rumble. Anywhere else, just keep having a good time. I'm going to check those super chats when we come back, and uh, and we will continue to expand on this talk about those who are eager to be masters of the world 
we'll talk about how that is really should be a uh, it's really the title really should be Masters of the Mind. So don't go anywhere. We will be right back. Welcome to Intermission. We'll, we'll be right back. Yeah, Intermission. Quite frankly. 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 Not quite. Let's go, Brandon. Quite frankly, in Roma, Italia. Quite frankly, you're going on Frank's show tonight? I really like you. You're very smart. So everybody watch. Quite frankly. With Frank. Quite frankly. How dare you? Where is my mind? Oh, it's plugged into a computer. It's been sucked out of me. They sucked his brains out. I have the, uh, the, the, the federal logo, the Federation logo from, from Starship Troopers as the default for tonight's episode. So now I'm thinking about all quotes from Starship Troopers. It's my favorite line. They sucked his brains out. <laughs> We've been quoting that line for decades now. Great, great movie. Great movie. Great record. Okay, so what are we going to do now? I'm going to go to a Super Chats, and then we're going to continue what we were just doing. Over on, quite frankly, superchat.com, we are all caught up. We're all caught up, and on Rumble... We have a couple of Rumble rants. Thank you so much, everybody, on Rumble. Christoa says, oh, hi, I'd love to have that book. Oh, well, Christoa, I don't know how to... Rumble is very bad at showing a history of Super Chats, uh, so I would not be able to... I would not be able to combine this with the other one, so... I hate this. I hate to do it because I would love for you to have the book too and to be in the running. But the the only way that I can easily 
compile all of the names that are in the running for this book, The Great Divorce, with all of my notes and everything else, uh, is to send a super chat, at least one, from now until Monday on, quite frankly, superchat.com. And hopefully Rumble gets its shit together with more chat room controls because we can't make anybody mods over there. And it's very hard to keep all of the Rumble rants aside and organized. I couldn't, I can't find it anyway. But Christoa, you're, you're so nice. Thank you so much. Thank you. Cat Sky D says, exceptions excluded. Most men peak between 27 and 33. Why do men brag about young women wanting them when they gain wealth later in life young women would rather have a th- would rather have a 30 year old rich or not why do young men brag about young women wanting them when they gain wealth later in life young women would rather have a 30 year old rich or not um well i'm i mean maybe some would i i don't know i, I guess there's a lot of a lot of a lot of young guys like the idea of being with older women too but usually in a sexual way and if younger if younger women in their 20s are looking for men in their 30s settle down and and uh and have have families they they'd actually probably find that and end up quite happy a lot happier than we are trending both men and women I mean, both sexes have been destroyed. The the balance between the two, the natural balance between the two, has been destroyed by all this stuff. That's just uh, that. Those are statistical realities at this point. So, and I'm not saying that they would. Why do men brag about young women wanting them when they gain wealth later in life? Well, they're just they they have stability. At that point, it's stability and it's everything else, and of course, uh, financial stability is something. But um, that may just be, I don't know. We'd have to find out what the intentions of the girls are. In a different culture, then yeah, they're probably looking for someone a little bit older or, or and, and maybe not. I mean, you, you fall in love with, with who you fall in love with. Sometimes it's the same age. Sometimes they're a couple of years older. But what I was saying is that we're, we're, we're being... Um, we're being discouraged from getting on with that part of life until much later on. And part of the propaganda that we all live through, that we all live through and we're affected by, actually affects women a little bit more. A little bit more. Because whereas, you know, men can can have they can they can get people pregnant into the later years in their lives women have a very short window to to build families and to to have youth on their side to enjoy that and then and then you know so that's the only reason why i bring it up it affects everybody but personal taste is just personal taste that always comes into it too and maybe we can have some more, uh, I would love to have some more, uh, uh, maybe health professionals, relationship professionals. Maybe we can have some, a talk between men and women. We can have a, uh, a, 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 a gender, a multi, an inter, no, no, there's no, in, I don't want to use any of those words. Inter, multi, nothing. Men and women, round table. Round table one day. 
How would that go? Freight Awakening says, I like how Biden came out today and talked about how they use $400,000 Sidewinder missiles to take down uh, kids' science projects and the Remax hot air balloon, not to mention, and no mention of Ohio. Oh, I have that over here. Christoa says, it's okay, Frank. Oh, now I feel bad. Wart Guy says, just give Christoa the book, King Solomon. The book King Solomon. Well, I'm, I, I wish I had that kind of power. I really do. I'll see what I'll see what I can do when I go and investigate Rumble, and I'll I'll tell you by tomorrow if I can combine all the things because I really do appreciate everybody that sends super chats and Rumble rants and gold pills to to the show. It makes it all go. So, um, yeah. On that, listen to this. Joe Biden says, "I'll take it down." Biden vows action, but says three objects shot that shot down were not spy vehicles. While officials are still working to recover the objects, this is from ABC News, and assess them, Biden said nothing currently suggests that they were related to China's surveillance program or that they were surveillance objects from other countries. But make no mistake, if any object presents a threat to the safety and security of the American people, I will take it down, says the tough guy who poops his pants. On the Chinese surveillance balloon... Biden added, quote, I make no apologies for taking down that balloon. That is the stupidest line. That is almost as cheesy as he sucked his brains out. I make no apologies for taking down that balloon. Oh, God, we're such a joke. No apologies. It had to be done. It had to be done. We had to let that balloon cross the entire continent and then shoot it down with a half a million dollars when somebody could have just went up to it with a stick and a nail. (laughs) My gosh. And nothing on Ohio. Well, what's the point? All right, a little bit more over here on Foxhole. And then we're going right into into the rest of this. Boys Blanc. Thank you. Cave Toad says, great show yesterday. Such energy. Wish I could have caught it live. I had comments and should have taken notes. Cave Toad also said, it's accidentally based. It's called accidentally based, Frank. And empty egg carton dot PNG. Uh, let's see here. Michael Myers says, thank you for sharing your lovely girls with us on Valentine's Day. It was so precious. I'm glad that you enjoyed it. I hope we can do more of that for some random summer Fridays. Sean Joe, thank you. Michael Myers again is his greatest intro ever. Let's see. What else? I'm getting all screwed up here. Cave Toads. Does goldbacks really have a horrible value to actual gold? They are novelty, fun, yes. Not a great idea overall. Well, we'll talk about that. We'll talk about that. Uh, well, you, you think about what would five or ten dollars really get you in something? Five or ten dollars worth of gold. What would it get you? A chip. That chip kind of f- flattened out and assimilated into the actual paper, into the bill, is a, a store of small amount of gold. And and what are you going to buy? What are your most your most common uh, purchases? Things that are between 
I would say $10, $25, a lot, a lot over there. I'm not talking about cumulative purchases like at grocery stores, but individual items. So it's a way of making gold, buying gold, and transacting with gold in, in private ways a little bit more feasible. Because like they, we had spoken about yesterday, a round is $2,000. That's why most people rightly go and buy silver. Then I still think that that, is a, that's a, that should be people's primary focus if they are going to do some stacking is silver. But I like it, and I would like to get the guy to, that made it on with us because I think it's a great idea. Um, let's see here. Um, Sean Joe, thank you. Cave Toad again says, Mike Adams had a great show today with a guest supposedly could create dioxin. With a guest who can supposedly create it? Well, I've heard a lot about dioxin in the air around here now, but I haven't smelled anything, thankfully. The winds took it up western and uh, northeastern New York. I don't know if that's going to come on, on down, whether or not it's going to dissipate to the point where we won't even know. So who knows? It's a terrible thing to not know. Seablanch says rail lines are, are uh, a chant. Either way, I don't know what that, what that, that all means. I'm sorry, Seablanch, but thank you. Amazon says dangerous materials are transported on the road, air, and rail every day. Absolutely. Absolutely, they do. They are. No doubt. And, uh, and, and there is where they are most likely to be, in, uh, to be caught up in disasters like the one we have in Ohio. Now, it's the, that is remarkably worse than most things, but this is the case for oil pipelines, you see. Let's see. Mike Myers. Oh, wait. Uh, Cave Toad says, oh, and after the Randall Carlson interview, I found how YouTube is platform. Cosmographia is fascinating. There's a lot of random thoughts here, so I don't... Um, a lot of random thoughts. Uh, remember, everybody, if we're going to read these on air, keep them pertinent to... Don't make it so conversational. Um, make some statements so that they're a little bit more useful to people who are listening at home. Michael Myers says, I don't feel stupid for being into all those old sci-fi movies with these wild theories now. You shouldn't. You shouldn't. If you've held your ground, you have a lot to be, well, I mean, not proud of because I would have much rather have been wrong. Uh, let's see. Cave Toad hates their accents as well. Tiger Woods is playing. He looks unhappy, says Paulie. Michael Myers says, please, can an asteroid fall on Klaus Schwab's pointy evil head? <laughs> there you go. And then Tempo420 says, thanks, Frank. Love the show. All right. Thank you. Now let's get on into something else. Here is what I have from MSN. Now remember Elon Musk. What he's against? A completely centralized government for the entire world. Probably not a good idea, he thinks, but he, he thinks most other bad ideas are good ideas. So who knows? Here's a little bit more on to one of the things he thinks is a great idea, and that is neural-laced chips that make communication and interaction between the human brain and computers 
artificial intelligence possible. The headline is, It Became Me. Studies show that revolutionary new brain chips may bend your mind in strange and troubling ways. I have some highlights here. Elon Musk wants to put a computer chip in your brain. Well, maybe not in your brain, but in the brain of some human somewhere. Musk's neurotech startup, Neuralink, has been working toward implanting its skull-embedded brain chip in a human since it was founded in 2016. After years of testing on animal subjects, Musk announced in December that the company planned to initiate human trials within six months. Neuralink has spent over half a decade figuring out out how to translate brain signals into digital outputs. Imagine being able to move a cursor, send a text message, or type in a word processor with just a thought, while the initial focus is on medical use cases, such as helping paralyzed people communicate. Musk has, uh, has aspired to taking Neuralink's chips mainstream to, as he said, put a Fitbit in your skull. While these technologies are still in their infancy, they've been around long enough for researchers to increasingly get a sense of how neural implants interact with our minds. As Anna Wexler, an assistant professor of philosophy in the Department of Medical Ethics and Health Policy at the University of Pennsylvania put it, quote, of course it causes changes. The question is, what kinds of changes does it cause and how much do these changes matter? Intervening in the delicate operation of human brain is a sticky business, and the effects are not always desirable or intended. People using BCIs can feel a profound sense of dependency on the devices, which is what Klaus Schwab says is going to be a great feature. The dependency, the partnership, the life partnership you have with the chip. Or as though their sense of self has been altered. Yeah, because what are you at that point? You become the Bing search engine. Before we reach the point where people are lining up to get a smartphone implanted in their brain, it's important to grapple with their dangers and unique ethical pitfalls. Oh, we've been grappling with those for a while, but it is out there. Going down to the, the another section said, a changed mind. Some of these changes have been positive. They talk about how it affects people with Parkinson's, how it can help them uh, reconnect with the person who they were before all of the problems they had with all their motor issues. Uh, BCIs help the people feel like they were returning to themselves by helping treating the underlying disease like Parkinson's. But not all these changes that researchers have found are beneficial. In interviews with people who ha- who've had BCIs, Frederick Gilbert, a philosophy professor at the University of Tasmania specializing in applied neuroethics has noticed some odd effects. Here's a quote. The notions of personality, identity, agency, authenticity, autonomy, and self, those are very compact, obscure, and opaque dimensions, Gilbert told me. Quote, nobody really agrees on what they mean, but we have uh, cases where it's clear that BCIs have induced changes in personality or expression of sexuality. Across numerous interview studies, Gilbert also has noticed patients report feelings of not recognizing themselves, or what is typically referred to as estrangement in the research. They know that they are themselves, but it's not like it was a prior like it was prior to the implantation, he said. They've been estranged from themselves. While some estrangement could be beneficial, if it results in a healthy sense of self-esteem, for example, 
Negative instances known as deteriorative estrangement can be quite vexing. It has led to extreme cases where there have been attempts at suicide, Gilbert said. Now here's a final segment that I made some I made some highlights in. It's called a smartphone in your brain. We've had these conversations on our own for a while now, and there, a lot of this is going. A lot of these questions are going to be very familiar. As the technology improves, we get closer to Musk's Fitbit in your skull vision. But there's a reason to be cautious. After all, if it's easy to get addicted to your phone, just think about how much more addicting it could be if it were wired directly into your brain. Gilbert told me about one patient he had interviewed who developed a kind of decision paralysis, eventually feeling as if they couldn't go out or couldn't even go out or decide what to eat without first consulting the device that showed what was going on in their brain. Quote, there is nothing wrong with having a device that is completely, uh, that is completing a decision, Gilbert said, but at the end, the device was kind of supplanting the person in the decision, kicking them out of the loop, end quote. Sometimes a patient can come to rely so much on their device that they feel like they can't even function without it. Gilbert has encountered many study, uh, study participants who have fallen into depression upon losing support for their devices and having them removed, often simply because a given trial expired or ran out of funding. Quote, you grow, you grow gradually into it and you get used to it. An anonymous study participant who received a device to detect signs of epileptic activity said in an interview, quote, it became me. It became me. There are, uh, these are privacy. There are also privacy concerns that come with a computer getting access to your brainwaves. If you get a device to help you move your prosthetic arm, for instance, that device will pick up on other sources of noise that you may not want to be out of your brain, Gilbert said. There's a lot of background noise. That background noise can be deciphered. That noise is, necessar- that noise is necessarily converted sitting somewhere in the cloud. Someone could learn a lot by studying your brain waves, and if a hacker managed to access your data, they could read your mind, in a sense, by looking for specific expressions of brain signal activity. Again, the question I asked, when this thing is in your head, it's one thing to have some kind of a worm, like a Stuxnet worm, out there at uh, you know nuclear centrifuges in, in Iran or something like that. It's another thing to have an entire financial system come crashing down. What happens when a computer network that has hundreds of thousands, if not millions, of human cybernetic now bodies connected to it? What happens when that body that is laced with nanotechnology and brain chips and everything else is infected with a computer virus? Or if there's some kind of a a hack, a leak, you know, we'll be we'll be we'll be uh, begging for the years when some sort of a cloud leak didn't get as bad as us getting a couple of uh, nude photos from our favorite celebrities. You know, remember that nude photo leaks? We got this one or that one. This is completely different. What happens with the? data that they're taking is just what's going on inside of you that's just incredible it's so incredibly dangerous i don't see how the upside is anywhere near 
as as great as the bad. Let's keep going. There's one last thing I have over here. While we are still a long way away from cyborgian future of electronically interconnected minds prophesized by people like Elon Musk, the industry's accelerating growth compounds the urgency of ethical considerations once constrained to science fiction. If a brain chip can change key parts of your personality, companies should not be rushing out to put them in people's heads. Wexler told me that while most people in the industry aren't that open to using BCIs as a consumer product, they still think it's likely to happen. If it does, she said, the whole risk-benefit trade-off changes. Yes, because like I said, I am totally fine with using technology like this to help a, uh, a quadriplegic regain some independence and to bridge any kind of neural gaps that have been formed over the course of, uh, of a spinal cord being severed or something like that. But you know that it's not going to stay there. You know it's not going to just by common sense and because it's been prophesized already. Now, they say that we're still a long way, way, a ways from that cyborgian future that people like Elon Musk talk about a lot, but he's talking about it at the World Government Forum, whereas he said some objectively good things about pushing back against the across-the-board fusing of the world and all of its governments, he went on to talk about his greater vision for why he bought Twitter and to accelerate the X everything app. Listen to this. How do you see Twitter if we, we say five years down the road? What's your vision for, for this platform? What, sh- what should it do? Well, I think it would be, I'd like to you know, have this sort of long-term vision for something called uh, X.com from back way back in the day, uh, which is kind of like a, a um, sort of like an everything app um, it, where it's just maximally useful. It does, you know, payments, uh, does, um, uh, so it provides financial services, provides information flow, um, really anything digital. Um, and um, it also provides secure communications. Um, so you know, I think you know, be, be as useful as possible, as entertaining as possible, um, and also to be like a, a source of, of truth. Like if you want to uh, find out what's going on and what's really going on, um, then you could, should be able to go on, 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 you know, X, the X app. And uh, I just got to say, this sounds completely fucking stupid. Just the idea, maybe back somewhere back prior to Twitter, when Web 2.0 was really just starting to come on out, we're getting away from America Online and AIM, and then we're getting more into apps-based stuff. We're getting into Reddit. We're getting into all this other stuff. Um, I This sounds so stupid. It sounds like it's just, okay, you're, you, you're, your big idea is to have an app where you are entertained and you can find truth and secure communications and all that. I mean, it's just like, isn't that what every app out there pretends to be? Every last one? You can go and subscribe to whatever you want. If you're using Instagram for just, you know, the funny reels or or whatever, you're, I mean, that that's what Tumblr is to some people still. 
So obviously, uh, he's in a little bit more of a unique position because he has a lot of power and he has he directs a lot of capital, and uh, and now he has a he has a very popular platform that he can build this stuff on. But he continues on. Listen to more and um, and and find out. So it's a sort of source, a sort of a, a source of truth, and a maximally useful. I guess app is about wrong word, but system, um, and and twi Twitter is essentially an accelerant to that sort of maximally useful everything app. I think the uh, trying to have as many organizations uh, and people and institutions uh, verified um, as being legitimately those people and organizations is is important. Okay, so uh, you're talking about verified organizations and people as many as possible then there's there's definitely going to be um, loss of privacy because you're going to have to verify who you are. There's going to be uh, it probably anonymity is going to be deranked. Definitely talking about uh, digital IDs here. Um, and to have the organizational affiliation clearly identified um, so that if you want to find out if somebody is actually, if, if an account is actually, say, from a member of parliament or a journalist or... Uh, if, if a, let's say, if, if a Twitter handle is uh, actually belongs to, say, Disney Corporation or something like that, you you can you can go on Twitter and it's it's sort of an identity layer uh, of the internet, and you you can confirm that that is in fact the, the case. And and I think once you've got these sort of interlocking um, sort of identities, uh, it's it's actually very hard to be deceptive in that case, uh, because and, and and it's also you have a reputation to protect at, at that point. So. I think then people are far more likely to be measured in their response um, and um, be, more, be more reasonable since they have reputational value. So there you go. We're, we're Now, obviously, he's talking about things that you would, I don't know, I, I guess there's, there's nothing wrong with creating special distinctions for members of state and uh, news organizations and whatever, but when you, you go into... So, you know, outside of those people, those people are always, well, I mean, less and less now. We've got a, we, we've got a bunch of buffoons in, in Congress now that just love making fools of themselves and loving, love getting into shouting matches and, and mic drop moment uh, competitions on Twitter all the time. But you would think that people who are already in public eye and uh, whose reputations are already on the line, they are holding public office or something like that, they're already holding themselves to that standard. And if they do something, anything. I mean, we just had a president taken off of Twitter and Facebook. So you want to talk about reputations. Character assassination is everything these days. And um, so wh whereas I think people who are already living high-profile lives, they're, they're, they, they already know that, especially if they're connected to a brand. So this makes uh, more sense to me if he's talking about a future where little people like you and I are held to some sort of a uh, a standard where we are going to be able to do less and less on the internet anonymously and therefore have to be beholden to things we say and ideas we espouse and all of that stuff um, as if there is some sort of a, dare I say, credit score coming. Like, w what kind of a rating do we get with our reputation? Is there a rating system that comes along with our reputation? It's... And that's it.
You know, so he can say it's not a good idea to establish a central government for the world, uh, and, and that would be very wise to say publicly out there. It's a very disarming thing to say out loud. But over the course of time, when as uh, when more and more people are assimilated into the Borg, you may not even need a formal declaration of a global superstate. We'd just be in it, you know. Uh, perhaps in we'd we'd be living in different principalities with names like the United States or Germany, but it would probably be less and less, there'd probably be less and less to dif- differentiate between it all as time goes on. So um, that's, uh, that's a little bit of what I had to say about what's been coming out of the new World Government Summit. And I want to hear what you guys and gals are thinking. It's 8.31. We're going to take a really quick break, and we will end this show with you on the phones, 914-595-6953. You can also jump into the QFTV lounge in Discord, and I can pull you in from there. So don't go anywhere.
I said, you know what I want to put on the show tonight? Censorship be damned. I want some Jack Benny. I've listened to a lot of Jack Benny on the um, on the, the the radio, the radio classics channels out there. Oh, it's great! All the radio work that was done prior to the television show. But that was good, good American entertainment at one con- at one time. You know what I mean, Jelly Bean? Oh boy. Okay, let's take some calls. There's plenty to say, and I'm wondering what you all have to say about it. 914-595-6953. 914-595-6953. I saw a few uh, pop in while we were on the break, and then um, and then they popped out already. Alrighty. So um, real quick, I got a tip over here on Rockfin from Gene Aldine, Aldino. Thank you so much, Gene. It's great to have you out there. Wonderful to have you out there. Um, here's a call from Poopy. What's going on, Poopy? Hey, Frank. Hey, man. So I wanted to tell you, I you know how you mentioned um, you don't know what happened between like some years or whatever with the trains getting better, right? Yeah. So I was thinking, I was thinking the same thing when I was thinking about these derailments, and I'm like, you know, I'm imagining a train. You know, it's going most of the time straight, whatever. It's on the rail tracks. Like, what what could happen? And I seen today a video on Reddit of, like, a part of the Ohio train tracks. And holy crap. I think I know. I think I know what you're talking about. It was all all jacked up, the the train tracks. And and the train was just, just, you know, just shaking from side to side, just trying to stay on this corroded old track. Yeah, and they were, like, all messed up, and the train had to slow down, like, a lot and just, like, slowly, you know, go through this thing, not to, not to fall down. Yeah. And, I'm, you know, that, that kind of opened up my hand. Like, that's what happens when they, you know, degrade and they don't get fixed. I just, I'm, I'm surprised there's not more of these. You know, I think, I think it was on purpose they did it, that they haven't, they haven't fixed it, and, and now we're having these things. Now, the other thing I wanted to mention is you, you mentioned about the, you know, the EPA might be coming out with the with, with the non disclosure agreement. I don't know if you've seen there was a there was an article on the Blaze today. No it said that was that? No, I, I had it. What what's there? Oh, so they wrote that there was an, an EPA associated uh agency that went around the you know, the area over there with with the locals and they actually they, they, they said that they were gonna test the air and they made they 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 had like 340 people sign these forms, uh, these contracts that, that, you know, it says like indemnify and release and hold harmless. Some, some, whatever, it's something. But some people didn't want to sign it, but there was 300 people that did sign it. And they posted this, this contract. And that now, you know, like they don't, they don't know that this might be, this might be something they'll, they'll use later to, to kind of like put the blame on maybe the, the company that was testing the air and they were wrong and you know and the Norfolk is not res- responsible or something like that but basically it did, there was an agency connected to the EPA that came out and did get signatures which is fucked up oh okay well he, here's here's what I would wonder about that I would wonder if there's any kind of case for contracts or something signed under any kind of duress or um, 
you know, if you put somebody in front of something that obviously, especially now, I mean, the disaster has not even stopped yet. So it's an ongoing thing. And to have people be signing this, if there really is that people have been have been tricked or forced or pressured into signing some kind of a waiver that would take away their rights to seek damages from either the state or this particular uh, railroad company and its parents or or the federal government itself if the EPA comes out and gives bad advice. I, I, I hope that there's a court somewhere out there that would look into whether or not these, these waivers were signed under duress because... Um, Man, that, that would be messed up. I have to go and find that. I, I don't know. Outside of what you just told me, I don't know anything about it, so I have to go read. I think I sent it to you on Twitter. Um, and I, I know what you mean. I know what you're saying. But, but you know how it is with these companies, especially, like, let's say this, this train company, is own, I think it's owned or and a big chunk of it is owned by BlackRock, I believe. I've heard that. So you know what happens with, with cases like that. I mean, these, these, these companies have fucking million-dollar lawyer teams that will you know that will do whatever it takes basically um but the other thing i want i want to talk about you know if you if you if you have a minute yeah go re- real quick go ahead so i just i'm kind of encouraged about the about the msn it's it's like a it's an it's essentially an msn hit piece and anything that is coming from that side you know i'm always going the opposite and so if msn is putting out a hit piece it's kind of encouraging to me. I mean, I know, and like I, I mentioned this before, like I, I like to believe that there would be somebody this big, uh, you know, a billionaire that is on our side. I would like to believe that because if, if there isn't, and it's only us people, and I know we have the numbers, it's billions of us and a few of them, I get it. But what, as people, what have we done to fight them? Shit, we haven't done shit in fucking in 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 a long time. So yeah. I would like to believe that there's people with big money that go against them. And I, you know, I always think about the Elon Musk Neuralink thing. And the way the way I see it is, he came out very early in his career, and he was talking against, he was talking uh, about the threat of AI. He was talking about the, you know, about the brain chips. So if if I were him, and I knew there's a threat of AI, I knew there's a threat of technology. How would I fight it? Would I, you know, put up money in campaigns to go against it and say, hey, we, we should not research this? Or you go the other route and you actually put money into researching it, know it, know it throughout and have that in your pocket as a, as a fight. And, and then if that is true, if that's the case, and he's, he's willing to fight it by researching and knowing everything about it, he would have to have all of these globalists allow him to do that too. And what what, what does he have to do? He he'll say that he's doing the research to make it go to get make it go mainstream, to take it you know to take it to regular people. Then they'll allow him to do it. Otherwise, they'll they'll shut him down. Just you know, he's a billionaire, but they still run shit. I you know I I, I can only hope Poopy that that you're that you're right that he has uh, that that his true intent. <laughs> is to have uh, realized that the rest of the world's technologists and anybody else that is working on creating this transhumanist AI-driven future 
has already crossed several dangerous thresholds and there's no going back and he might as well put uh put a a wild card that may be able to benefit humanity in some kind of a skynet future into the mix i hope i hope because um it's not going to correct itself there, there, like I said before in, in several uh, recent episodes, it's going to get to the point where whatever generation of, of ours is really facing this thing head on, we're only at the beginning of it right now, but we're going to need a very brave generation of John and Sarah Connors who are ready to go after Skynet and, um, and, uh, and do something for the sake of humanity. Hopefully that is what Elon Musk is laying the groundwork for. And thank you for posing that theory. I, I hope so too. And last thing, your comments on it: Susan Wojcicki finally resigned, and I hope you get over the hundred thousand that you wanted to get. Oh, I love you, man. That was, well, thank you, Poopy. Love you too. Yeah, imagine that. Oh, Susan left. Now just everything, everything has changed in the back end, and boom! Quite frankly, goes to one hundred fifty thousand subscribers. Like she leaves, she's like, you know what? Take the take the foot off of that that quite frankly account. I know we actually never kicked them off, but just. Give him the hundred thousand. Go ahead. Thank you, Susan. Okay, what do we have? What do we have? What do we say? Nine oh four. You're on the air. Who's this? Hey, Frank. How you doing, buddy? I'm doing this well. James. This is James from Jacksonville, Florida. James. Oh, welcome back, James. How you doing? I'm doing good, brother. How you, how you been? I'm I'm just you know, I, gotta, I just I just got back from a four hour gig. I had to do a remembrance party day at four o'clock this afternoon. Oh, am I on and, uh, am I on speakerphone, James? Yeah, I'm trying to turn everything off. Yeah, I'm sorry. James oh, from sorry. Jacksonville. James. Oh, welcome James. Oh boy, James. Hey, oh, oh, James, you're committing you're committing a lot of crimes right now, James. <laughs> I know. I'm trying to turn James, that thing off. You, you got to be ready, James, when you call in, James. There you go. There you go. I got you. There you go. Okay. All right. What's now, up, brother? Now, tell me what's going on with you, uh, and then what do you think about the show tonight? Go ahead. Oh, your show's great. Now, I don't need to get off the subject, but remember about six years ago, I, not six years, about six months ago, I called in about black lights on the interstate, right? Yes, yes, indeed. That was your first call. There you go. Anyway, it's this afternoon. There's a thing called News for Jacks in Jacksonville that ran a story on all these new lamps on our highways in area, Jacksonville, Florida. And they tell you the same thing. It's nothing new. It's just it's a bad light bulb. They're trying to fix it. And everybody loves it. But they're trying to figure out what it is. But if you take a meter anywhere near this pole within 15 feet, that meter goes off the chart. What kind of meter? Are you talking like a Geiger counter or something? Not really a Geiger, a, a, a UV meter. Just a regular electrician's meter. If he tucks the two prongs on that damn pole, that thing goes off the chart. So, and but wait, don't know but what wait. These are for. Have you been able to, to to do to determine whether or not these UV meters, uh, I mean these uh, these meters, go off the chart just based on when this whatever gets corrupted with the bulb is it not like that when it's not turning purple like is it regular and it's not giving off anything and then when it goes purple it starts giving off a lot of uv do you know if there's a differential i don't know but the lights are always purple it's a permanent black light on our highways 
Hmm. And, you know, if you go down the rabbit hole and look for it, it's like, okay, you don't get very much any any any, any information. Somebody in the chat room just says, makes I, wonder. someone in the chat room, in the, in the Twitch chat room says, a spectrum analyzer is what you need. I got to tell you, uh, James, it was hmm. it was last week. Last week I was dropping a I was dropping a buddy off uh, at his at his house after we went out to, to to chill somewhere, and I'm driving back and I'm passing by Con Edison. It's a big Con Edison, Con Edison station where oh, the yeah. offices are and all their trucks are. And I know I said, "What the hell is this going on?" And right in front, right in front of the Con Edison entranceway for all of their their work trucks, there was a lamp. And the lamp had turned that very familiar purple that even I saw when I went down to South Carolina. Yep. So, I mean, it makes it because they're all over 95, they're all over I 10, they're all over 75. It's like, what in the world are these purple, these black lights for? What the hell do they detect? And you can't get no answers. Hmm. Well, it's like, why are they going to these black lights instead of normal street lights? Now, I do know in where I live, I caught the electrician one day, put, put a new light in, and he, they were putting new sensor lights up that can, that can detect gunshots. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So if you hear a gunshot, it records it in the camera, in the light, and they get determined what caliber it is. Anyway, some weird stuff like that. So, okay. Well, well, James, we got a lot of crime jacks, though. Well, James, th- you th- thank you for the update on this because I'm I know, I'm sure it hasn't gone away, and I'm sure that uh, having dual use lamps is definitely going to be a uh, a part of the full spectrum the full spectrum monitoring uh, that they do of us for one reason or another. I mean, everything's going to be loaded up with these 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 smart chips. At least they want to from oh, yeah. the, from cars to wallets to to you name it. So I mean, who who knows if that's all part of it? But it's definitely an incredible hey, trend. Can I, I just say one more thing, my friend Frank. Real quick, go ahead. I got friends of mine. I got friends of mine that live in London and Australia, and they got the same damn lights. And they so all what and, is up with these black lights? And they, but, but James, again, there's a couple of things that we need. I don't know what kind of uh, electromagnetic meters or anything that you're running to see what is coming off of these things are, but whatever yeah. whatever equipment you're running needs to run on it prior to turning purple to see if there's a change there. And also, you have to make sure that there actually is a time prior to it turning purple. Like, it, it was, was when these, these lights go in at first, are they that soft yellow or LED icy white light, and then it goes purple? Or okay. did, they, gotcha. did they get installed purple? We need to know the change, and then we need to know if there's any difference in whatever is being emitted, emitted from them prior to changes and, and after. But um, if that's something you're able to determine, you let me know. I I love these updates. Thank you for the call, James. Thank you, man. You have a good night, Frank. Take care, brother. There you go. James, a four-hour gig down there in Jacksonville, Florida. That sounds exhilarating, to be honest. Four-hour gig. 608, you're on the air. Who's this? Hey, Frank, how's it going, boss? Uh, Oh, it's going. It's going. Who's this? Uh, so I actually, is, I know that you have segments and you've got to got to move on, but um, I actually am in Colorado and uh, I work at a railroad and I actually have some more information about that derailment than most people know about just because in the industry, you know, we talk 
Okay. Um, and so I know that a lot of the stuff that goes out on the air is mostly speculation. And I was just tuning into the last call that you had about uh, um, about the the conditions of the rails being a factor and whatnot, which you know could be true, but that that's not the story that the other railroads hear. Okay, uh, I want to hear so, about it. Go right ahead. Okay, cool. So what what I have heard um, being in the railroad that I'm in is um, so it's actually more than just, you know, that very train and the engineer that drove it and everything like that. It, it was it was beyond the, the train individually and more about the Norfolk and Southern Railroad itself. So what had happened very recently, and you can look this up, is that the Norfolk and Southern Railroad just recently passed a policy uh, the beginning of this month in, in February, which allows the the supervisors of rail yards, they're called train masters. Uh, they're in charge of all the trains that uh, go in and out of their rail yard or their divisions. So they had just passed a policy which gives these train masters the authority to move trains around without inspection. Uh, so in railroads terms, one of the inspections we do, that we have to do, it's it's been around for about 100 years, it's called a roll-by inspection mm-hmm. is you uh, have you have a crew that sits alongside of the train and as the train goes rolls by um, you need to look at the wheels and you need to look at the ho- the air hoses and look and make sure that everything isn't dangling nothing's sliding nothing's grinding because you know you're either hauling passengers or million dollars of freight you want to make sure that they get to your destination that's what the railroads are all about so um, with this new policy they passed they allowed the train masters to dictate if um, they want to get something moved quickly, which sometimes rail yards do get congested and stuff doesn't move. So the the purpose for it was to get stuff out of the way for new trains to arrive, not necessarily for trains to leave without inspection. But from the story that we've all heard at my railroad is that's exactly what happened. So, so a there was no inspection. Train or. What's up? So, so you're saying that they, they, this particular situation, they had passed on an inspection to try to move it out quick. Correct. And what, so, what do you, and what do you so, think? And so, what do you, what, what is everybody at your, your station from this network of, of train, uh, of train professionals and workers and engineers? What are you guys? Uh, what do you speculate happened as far as the, the incident itself? What, what drew it off? What could have been out of whack? What could have been? What, what do you think it was? So on more modern, I, I work with older stuff. I actually work with steam engines and like 100-year-old machines, which I take a lot of pride in. But uh, we do have a couple of modern things, which are what now modern freight uses. Um, each of these train cars that, you know, carry uh, lots of freight or toxic chemicals, what have you, they have a, a certain device in the wheels called roller bearings. And uh, these roller bearings uh, are just meant to keep the wheel uh, rolling and you don't really need to do much work to them. They were invented, um, uh, I don't know the year they were invented, but a long time ago. Um, so where uh, the, the the bearings that we use, you actually need to fill with oil and use this cotton pad. Um, and that keeps all the bearings lubricated throughout the day. They need to be checked constantly because this is 100-year-old equipment that I work with. Uh, but with this, in this particular scenario, um, they do have devices at the edge of the rail yard, when a train leaves town, there's these thermometers which are being pointed at the wheels to make sure that the wheels aren't seized 
and aren't getting hot. However, this is the this is with myself and my colleagues. This is the story that we had heard is that the train left town uh, without that inspection from the eyes of other railroad workers um, because you know they, they didn't they were told not to do that roll by inspection. Therefore, they weren't they didn't have to be there. So the railroad saved a couple pennies by not having people look at the train. So um, I think that at the rate that it left town, that uh, the bearing could have very well been okay as it left town, but something would have happened. And this is the story that we had heard, that one of those wheel bearings had seized. And as that wheel bearing had seized and the train kept dragging this, uh, or the engines kept dragging this whole freight train through town or through Ohio, um, that bearing as it seized started to get hot started to glow, you know, as friction starts to heat things up, metal on metal, and that uh, bearing had heat up so much that the axle had got too hot, and the axle of that train car had uh, failed and broke, and so because that one train car had a failure, every other train car behind it started to derail as that one fell off the track, and it had just started this effect of, you know, everything that followed started to get more and more disastrous and then that had what that's what had transpired and then as we know the the chemical fire and the all the toxic stuff in the air the gases and the water systems and the whole catastrophe uh, wasn't because of bad track and it wasn't because of all sorts of various other speculations but it was because the Norfolk and Southern Railroad passed policies to allow trains to leave without inspection and the reason that you haven't been able to see much news besides uh, you have been able to provide stuff, but like you've been saying for the last few days, is that uh, you don't see it on the news because all these journalists and all of these reporters are getting arrested, getting near the scene, because I believe and my colleagues believe that Norfolk and Southern is trying to cover it up as much as possible and clean up their mess because they don't want people to think that it was the railroad's fault because of their policies that they passed but because it was some freak accident. Yes. Yeah, that, that, uh, I mean, it's, it's good to hear a, a professional take on, on, you know, what goes wrong and how it, it'll, it'll it, uh, the problem will just com- continue to compound and we are left with what we are. Um, I've, heard, I've heard that there is video of a, of a, uh, a, a sparking, dragging uh, wheel out there that you can see that there was something going on that something had seized up that that some kind of a uh, chain reaction had already begun at some point and it makes a lot of sense that uh, it, it would be a very influential company that owns the railroad that that would like to just have this be chalked up to a um a, an accident that of course the fallout of that the ecological fallout and the human toll that we don't even know what what's what's going to be there we know that a the animal toll local uh uh fauna is that, that that's going to be a lot of a lot of disaster for the company and uh, if we get gets around to right. where it was well, that I mean, even the ohio river the ohio river is has like 10 percent of the united states population's fresh water or something which is now contaminated, mm. something like that, right? That's what I'm. That, that, that's what I was hearing. My uh, Zach Red Pill seventy eight was talking about um, how that is that's really creating a, a chain reaction within all of the waterways out there, no doubt. And it's also good to remember that uh, the, that that states like Ohio are very instrumental in feeding the rest of the country. 
So right, exactly. It, all that, all that farmland in the Midwest. No doubt. I mean, this stuff happens, and then you're just at the mercy of the winds. So, uh, what's your name, by the way? I, just a first name is okay. I want to store you. Uh, my name is Caden. Okay, Caden. C a d c a d e n. C a d e n. I'm going to say Caden Railroads. That's your new name over here in the Skype. Well, Caden, I uh, good. I appreciate this, and if you have any more uh, any more information that comes in through your circles of of railroad professionals and engineers, please let us know because this was very clarifying. Well, and that's just the thing is, you know, I've been watching every night for the last week, and you know, I've been eager to hear you talk about the story. And every every time you've taken on a caller and have discussed the railroad, and we're talking about you know what everyone thinks happens, um, I I wanted to clear the air and let you know what other railroads think i have i have no tie to the norfolk and southern railroad whatsoever we mainly do passenger trains and scenic excursions and whatnot and don't haul multi-millions of dollars of freight however word carries around within all the other railroads we're all closely interconnected because we all are supposed to follow the same rules and so uh the rules you know going back to the whole uh, roll by inspection thing the roll-by inspection has been around for over a hundred years because having having the human eyes verify that everything is going well as it leaves town ensures the safety of either passengers or cargo while it gets to its destination. That's just that's the logical thing. They took that aspect away, and look what happened. Yeah, it's going to be it's going to be a major black eye. And it's going to continue to be a bigger and bigger scandal. And it's very hard for people living under this kind of uh, societal, uh, you know, chaos to not speculate about even larger, more, um, more uh, malevolent intent. You know, it's, but thank you so much for everything, Caden. It's great. And all the best to you and your family. Absolutely. Thanks so much, Frank. Oh, shit. Thank you. No, wait, wait, wait. No, he's still there. No, he's not. I'm sorry, Caden. I don't know what the hell happened. I didn't hang up on you. I did, but I didn't, I didn't mean to. Shit, sorry. Um, yeah, no, there's a lot of a lot of people who just can't accept that this is anything. But with all the 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 trends that we see in in food food plants and uh, chicken and turkey cullings, and there's just so much going on. That this happens, this happens, and it's very hard to to even just say negligence. We can't even accept negligence. It's got to be more. And I understand that because I still, you know, the jury still, it's, that's one man's opinion, a professional opinion, obviously someone who is hearing things and is applying his own working knowledge of the, the, uh, the industry from Colorado. This is in Ohio. So it's still great to hear a professional call in and talk about what uh, what is going around and what uh, what likely happened on a technical end. Everything else, just keep saying prayers for those who are, are affected because I'm sure a lot of people are scared. A lot of people are scared. It's, it's very, uh, very unsettling. And most unsettling of all, it's a reminder of how you just can't predict anything. You can do everything right, and then something like this happens in your town, and all of a sudden you have to leave your world behind. Okay, I have two birthday announcements real quick to do, and then we're going to have a special appearance very quickly from Cody on the QuiteFrankly.tv end because it is Throwback Thursdays tonight 
after we end. We have some great stuff. First, I want to say, I had a guy reach out to me. His name is Rob Reeves. And uh, he shared with me the wonderful news that he and his wife just welcomed two uh, twins into the world. They were born yesterday, February 15th, Isabella and Sophia. And he sent beautiful pictures of these twins, Isabella and Sophia, and said, uh, we have new members of the Frankly family. So all the best to Rob and his and his wife and to the beautiful Isabella and Sophia. I would also like to say a very special happy birthday to, uh, quite frankly, producer Abe, Abe Sinclair. Not him, to hell with him, but his son Truman. I want to say, and this is from Uncle Frank Truman, a true man, a virtuous dragon slayer he is. Truman, happy birthday from Uncle Frank. I hope you had a good one, and I hope uh, I hope I hope you had a good time with all your family and and all that stuff. And I know that Aurora sent you a a happy birthday song already. So this is me now. Good job, buddy. All right, let's go on over to where the hell we got? What do we got? Where's Cody? Chode. Cody. Get into the where why where why is he in there? Cody, get into the the quite frankly lounge so I can drag you in. You're connected with somebody else and I can't bring you in. Cody, get into the lounge. Quick. What happened to all of my on-air live quite frankly studio uh lines? What happened to everything? There used to be Okay, here we go. All right, Cody. Oh, my God. Frank. You're better. Hey, what's up? How are you? How have you been, man? And listen, we're ending the show right now, and then it's we're, we're popping over to QuiteFrankly.tv. I can't wait to hear what's going on for uh, Throwback Thursday. Throwback Thursday tonight. We've got some vintage, frankly. There is some the best Twilight Zone episodes and some special appearances by Super Babe. May she rest in peace, Raquel Welch. You oh. may see her pop up from time to time, you know, um, you know. So pour one out for Raquel tonight, guys. Yeah, and absolutely. gals. Hey, you know, here's the other thing, um, and I can't wait to go and I'll, I'll be home and I'll jump into the the chat room and I'll check it out and be there with everybody. But when is it? Have you and Abe discussed when you guys are going to roll out some uh, proper after shows where you are taking calls about people who from people who want to express thoughts uh, about tonight's the 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 previous that night's topics of conversation what when when is that happening because i know that you guys market tested and you air tested some of that stuff over the over the 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 summer and in mm. the fall so where that's is right. that going well that's a fantastic question it's often discussed and uh it may be happening sooner than later uh but it would it would likely be on a a a friday night or oh, I would love to see. I, you're lucky with the morning shows. I want to do a morning show, but you frankly has got to get up early. So we'll uh, we'll make it happen. I don't know. What, whatever, whenever the Franklys want it, I guess. Oh, they would. Oh, so, they, you know, they, they would go nuts. Whenever you guys are ready, I'm just saying people would want it. They don't want the fun to stop. But thanks for the call, man. And I can't wait to see what's going on after the show on Quite Frankly TV. Quite Frankly TV. It's Throwback Thursday. Thank you, Frank. You're the best. Okay, bye. He always said, yeah, and I cut him off too. Always sounds like he's falling down a well. That is Cody's uh, signature. It always sounds like somebody threw him down a well and he's fading away. 
All right, that's all I have. Let me see if I missed anything in the Super Chats. None there, none there. And on to the Rumble. Is there anything over here? Let's see. Let's see. Christoa says, I'm so glad you'll be on tomorrow, Frank, so I can guilt you one more time about the book. You have to guilt Rumble. It's almost a perfect live platform. Uh, Molly Artie says, I enjoy your show, Frank. Tried to get on your super chat and got a 404 error. Great. Uh, am I missing something besides that? Keep up the good work from one of those in flyover country. I, I just want a super chat thing that everybody uses and uses easily without any problems. I got to find another one. I'm sorry about that. Um, I'm sorry about that. I'll see what I can do. Cat Sky D says, these inventions are coming whether Elon does it or not. I hope that because he's leading, he'll have more control over the resources and supply chain, and that maybe he's a good guy with, in, with good intentions. Remember, he, yes, I, I, I can only hope so, but the intentions and the things that he has said are good ideas in the past are not very good. Universal basic income. Uh, carbon taxes. I just hope that, uh, I don't know. There's hope for everybody, right? But so far, I'm a little, a little jaded here. Cat Sky D says, Katie for a book club winner. Everybody's going for each other. And let's see what else we have. And one more. It's really hard to express in depth ideas in so few words. My rants don't always get my entire point across. Thank you for caring. Uh, one day I'll have the guts to call. That's from Katie. Well, Katie expresses a lot of ideas. I don't know why she says she does, she's unable to do it. So the phone lines will always be on. Thank you to Michael Myers and Chai Possum and Katie B and Cave Toad. Um, distilled in Tempo 420. I'm just rolling out names now because I don't have any time to read. Mr. Pete, Cave Toad again, Tempo 420, Paulie 9363. That's all for tonight, ladies and gentlemen. I will be here. Call. Whoa. I will be here with you tomorrow, 7 o'clock for the Friday. And like I said, we're doing Saturday as well. So, good night. Take care of yourself, and we'll see you. you see ya on the other side on quitefrankly.tv. I'll catch you on the flip side. Quite Frankly is filmed before a live studio audience and now our super chatters starting with Gene Ordino on Rockfin with Kate Sky D, Cat Sky D on Rumble, as well as Molly Artie and Christoa and Fred Awakening. Anybody else? I'm just trying to keep on top of this over here. Yeah, that's all. Thank you guys so much. We will see you soon.